our scripture and it looks like uh, we, uh, this is uh, Luke 8, 1 through 15. Uh, this can be found on the inside of your bulletin. Soon afterward, Jesus went on through the cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And also some woman, women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their needs. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew up and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. The word of the Lord. Well, you know, it's very interesting. It seems to me in life that some things are meant to go together. For instance, if I say peanut butter, you would say... If I said bread, you would say... If I said cake, you would say, I was going to say salmon, but you guys are nonetheless, toothbrush, you need, Romeo and, salt and, Carlos and, Llewellyn. Some things were just meant to go together. It's like they were intended for one another, and without them coming together, it's like their purpose is stilted. I mean, nobody says, would you please pass me the salt and paprika? No, it's the salt and the pepper, right? Or, where the heck is my toothbrush and pimento cheese spread? Doesn't make sense. It's the toothbrush and the toothpaste. Two other things that are meant for one another are soil and seed. They were designed for one another, if you will. The seed is designed to bring life, and the soil is designed to receive it. And when you think about it, all of life comes from this process, doesn't it? The food that we have as the seed goes out, whether from pollination or whether put in the ground, the food that we eat, even life itself, right? The woman, the egg, the man, the seed, them connecting and bringing life, all of us came from that. They were made for one another. So Jesus is making a point here. He's using an illustration as the seed is to the soil, so the gospel is to the human heart. 
as the seed is meant for soil, the gospel is meant for the human heart. It was designed for the human heart to enter it, to bring life. And when the seed is in the right soil, you have life. And so we can answer the question, why did Jesus come? He didn't come to give a speech. He did not come for us to analyze and understand sort of the principles of the world. He came to bring life. And this seed is called the gospel. How is it sowed? It's the word of God in which the gospel is contained. This word, this seed continues to propagate. Even though Christ has gone to heaven, the seed seems to have a life of its own. And so I don't know why you came here today, perhaps to hear some clever talk or some uh, pithy sayings which I seem to be full of. Maybe some moralistic teaching or something to encourage you and inspire you. But I have not come to give a speech. I've come to bring the seed. And the seed is life. Jesus cannot be compartmentalized, my friends. He must be received or rejected. And so Jesus tells this parable about the seed that comes to bring life. But we see that the gospel does not always bring life, does it? Jesus tells us the story of four soils. In fact, they're all in the same field. But some of the soil yields life and some of the others do not. In fact, only 25% of all of the soil yields life. The issue that Jesus is trying to get at is not the issue of the seed, but rather of the heart. It is the issue of the heart, the condition of the heart, which tells us whether the seed will germinate and bring life or will only bear fruit for death. Jesus Christ has the ability to take what is hard and to make it soft and what is barren and make it fruitful. So we must choose life. I don't know if you ever get a, uh, something, a mailer I do every year about getting a soil test. Right? They're going to come out and they're going to test your soil and they're going to send it to the lab and they're going to tell you the condition of your soil. In many ways, that is what I want to do today. To give a soil test, a bit of looking at these four types of soil so you can examine yourself. Who am I and am I being receptive to the seed of the gospel? Well, let's look at number one, the seed that fell along the path. Verse four, and when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. Now keep in mind, a crowd has gathered from all over the place. It seems wherever Jesus went, there was a crowd that came to hear him. But Jesus began speaking in a parable. It's interesting, you know, if you follow Jesus speaking in the book of Luke, he seems to be very clear, in fact, in all the gospels about how he's communicating in the beginning. Anyone read the Sermon on the Mount? can understand a lot about that. But as his ministry continues, he starts speaking more and more through parable. And one of the reasons is that one of the reasons that people are coming to hear Jesus is not because of his words, but because of his deeds. We want to see you do something, do a trick, Jesus, do a miracle. And so Jesus' speech is being compromised, they're not listening. And so he speaks in parables. The word parable actually comes from the word 
parabole, which means to place alongside. It's a story running alongside another truth. It has a way of concealing truth from those who don't want to hear it, while at the same time revealing truth to those who do want to hear it. And so Jesus tells this parable and says, He who has ears, let him hear. A sower went out. So this sower, this farmer, if you will, went out. Didn't stay in his home. He went out with a purpose to plant a crop, to sow his seed, if you will. Why did he go to a field? Well, the seed is meant for the field, for the soil. And he began to sow. And back then, the way that they sowed was through broadcast spreading. So they would literally have a basket of seed right here, and they would go ahead and they'd take the soil and they'd, excuse me, the seed, and they would spread it. And in Palestine, the way the land was, was uh, uh, portioned up was the fields were long and narrower because they didn't have, for one, uh, farming equipment of the type that could uh, you know, thresh and do large quantities. And the second is we don't understand in our culture because grass space is somewhat limited. But in Palestine, in Israel, agriculture was everything. And so there had to be a way to get through everybody's fields. And so there were these paths. They were considered right of way. Anybody could walk through them because you had to get from one place to the other. And so Jesus begins to sow this seed of the gospel. I love what the seed is designed to do. It's designed to bring life, much like seed brings life. Remember Paul in Ephesians 2 who says, You were dead in your transgressions and your sins, in which you once walked. But God, being rich in mercy because of His great love, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive in Christ. So therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. The sower comes out to bring life with this seed. And the seed is intended to bring a harvest. It's living and active. As we said in the praying the scriptures, as this seed, this word goes out from God, it never returns empty. It has a purpose. We don't quite understand that because it seems like the seed was fruitless in many of this soil. But the truth is it was accomplishing its purpose either to soften the heart or harden it. And so this crowd comes out and the crowd has a responsibility to hear. But one of the things I love about this is Jesus is not telling them to take care what they hear. He's telling them to take care on how they hear. You know, in the PCA, we certainly love to divide and dissect truth. We have our shorter catechism. We're able to spot heresy in tall leaps and bounds. We're able to understand whether a preacher is preaching the true Word of God. We're able to understand what we hear. But Jesus is saying something different. He's saying, be careful about how you hear. How do you know that you're hearing right? How do you know that you are intaking what God has given? The way you know is fruitfulness. In fact, if you look at this entire parable, in all of the soils, the one thing that is consistent about measuring success is fruitfulness. Indeed, it doesn't even speak about you have to reach a certain quantity to be fruitful. 
30, 50, 100 fold. Rather, it is the presence of fruitness. And so as the sower is spreading this seed, some falls along the right of way. Now you, I don't know if you've ever done any broadcast spreading. Sometimes I do that in my spare time uh, to try to uh, make ends meet. But as you throw your soil and you grab it out of the bag, invariably some falls right there, right? Do you fertilize your yard in such a way that's rather dangerous with the nitrites, but let's not get into that. As you throw, some of it falls right away, right there on the soil. Well, the scriptures say that it was trampled underfoot. Because as people had walked on these highways and byways, it had been trampled down by the constant traffic. It had grown hard. It had been given up, so to speak. Nothing could grow in it. There was no expectation that seed would fall on these paths and create life. And so there was no regard. It was simply trampled underfoot. Well, who is Jesus speaking of here? He's not speaking about seed. He's speaking about people. I find it interesting that the people who are hearing this, this particular uh, analogy, are those who are closest to the seed. They're closest to the sower. In fact, there's a ton of seed dropping all around them. And yet it doesn't seem to take root. This is the churchgoer, my friend. This is maybe you, maybe the one you know who grew up in church from the beginning. Their parents taught Sunday school. They grew up in a pew just like this one, hearing to a preacher in a robe just like this one. As the gospel was proclaimed again and again and again. And yet somehow their heart was hardened to this message. As I've thought about the reasons why their heart might be hardened, I've come up with three. Number one was at some point, they had bitter disappointment or grief by unfulfilled dreams or prayers that wasn't, weren't answered in the way they wanted. They prayed, nothing happened. And somewhere their hearts began to harden because they didn't believe there was a God who cared in them. They turned off the switch, so to speak. Their hearts were hardened by disappointment. Or their hearts were hardened by sin. In the Psalms, the psalmist says, Do not harden your hearts. Do not be a people whose hearts go astray. The psalmist says, Moses says, God says to Moses that their hearts have become callous. Their ears have become dull. So they can no longer listen to what I'm telling them. Sin is heart hardening. And so people say, I don't like religion. I don't like God telling me what to do. I don't like having to change my ways. And I particularly don't like you, preacher, getting all up in my face and telling me which is the way to walk. And so the sin upon sin, the stubborn refusal to walk in the way of righteousness leads to a hardened heart. The third way that a person's heart gets hardened is inattention or ignorance. You know how distracting it can be to come to church, right? How hard was it even to get here? To get in the car, to come. And as you're sitting there listening to me drone on and on and on incessantly, you might be asking the question, did I leave the iron on or did I turn it off? 
Where might we be going to lunch today? Why is that darn air conditioner so loud? Now I've really thrown you with that one. Gosh, I need to check my iPhone. It just beeped. What was that message? Was it important? And all of a sudden, one of the busiest times of the day in your mind ends up being the very time that I'm preaching. Our hearts become inattentive. C.S. Lewis in the great book, The Screwtape Letters, which talks about uh, in a fictional account of a devil trying to make sure that his uh, uh, client, the person that he's watching over, does not come to faith. Wormwood is the junior devil. Screwtape says this, the easiness and uneasiness and reluctant to face the good news cuts this person off more and more from all real happiness and as a habit renders the pleasures of vanity and excitement and flippancy at once less, at once less present and harder to you than will find that anything or nothing is sufficient to attract his wandering attention. See, once you have made him inattentive, you no longer even need a good book, which he really likes, to keep him from his prayers or work or sleep. A column of advertisements in yesterday's paper will do. You can make him waste his time not only in conversations he enjoys with people who he likes, but in conversations with those he cares nothing about, on subjects that bore him. You can make him do nothing at all for long periods, and nothing is very strong. Strong enough to steal away a man's best years, not in sweet sins, but in a dreary flickering of the mind over it knows not what and knows why. In the gratification of curiosities so feeble that the man is only half aware of them, and his mind becomes weak and too muddled to shake off. Do you know and experience that feeling of just kind of going by the wayside? being lulled into a sleep, inattention, ignorance, not willing to even examine what the preacher is saying. As you turn on the TV, 150 channels and nothing's on. There is an enemy in this first instance, isn't there? It's the birds, which are Satan. The birds often shown as the evil one in the Old Testament. It would make sense that the birds would follow the sower, right? Because the seed is right there. It's easy pickings. It's not going to go down deep. We all grasp the low-hanging fruit. And so the birds come and take away the seed. I don't know if you've ever tried to learn to play guitar. But, uh, you know, I'm sort of a ham and egger. I try to get out there some. I'm no Evo, mind you, or Eddie Van Halen. I'm simply me. But you know, when you're starting to play guitar, something happens. When you begin to play, your fingers hurt a lot. And you're either going to do one thing or another. You're either going to push through or you're going to give up because it hurts too much. And if you continue on, your fingers will become calloused and will become hard and they will become unfeeling. Now playing guitar, good or bad, I don't know. But for some reason, the gospel, in urging us to examine ourselves and the goodness of God, can create a hardness of our hearts. I love the story of John Bunyan, the one who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, one of the great saints of, Christian, uh, of uh, Christianity. 
He was known in England as one of the most godless men in his village and was regarded as so hard-hearted and committed to godlessness that no Christian had any hope for him at all. But Bunyan heard this exact parable of the sower. This one, and he said to himself, even the devil knows that if a man believes the word, he will be saved. Bunyan believed and was saved, and he became the author of Pilgrim's Progress. The point I'm trying to make, my friends, is that still there's still time for you. God has the ability to take the hardest of soils and make them soft. So you have to let go of the disappointments, of the lies, of the sin, of the ignorance, of the lust, and to wake up because God wants to bring you the seed and the seed was made for the soil. The gospel was made for your human heart. Well, this brings me to my second type of soil, the rocky soil. As it says that this soil, when it happened, the soil produced fruit quickly. But when persecution came along, the soil was quick to wither away. Just like that, it grew up and withered away because it had no moisture. The ones have heard, but it withered away because it had no root. This message would be very familiar to people in Israel, by the way, because it was a very rocky place. In fact, there's an old Arabic story that said when God created the world, He gave two angels all the rocks in the world, each with one full bag to go and spread them. And as they flew over Palestine, one of the bags broke, spilling half the rocks intended for the whole world. Much of Israel is rocky. And there's this layer of limestone, if you will, that grows, that is just right under the soil. So there's no deep soil. But what happens is the limestone heats up the soil. And so when the seed is planted, and in that initially, initial watering, because of the heat, it begins to grow. And as you look at it, if you go that week, you say, this is unbelievable. This is like the Frankenstein, the GMO stuff. It's growing so quickly. But as the sun continues, there is no moisture to sustain. And just as quickly as it grew up, it falls away. You know, if you look at a seed, there's three parts of the seed. There's the tiny plant in the seed, there's some stored food in the seed, and then there's a seed coat. And so what happens is with these three things, when the seed is planted, and given just a little bit of water, it begins to grow. It has enough food, if you will, to sustain itself for a while. But it needs warmth and moisture. Because without moisture, the seed will not soften. And if the seed will not soften, the roots will not break out of that little seed. And it will never, ever grow. That's what's going on here. A living seed, but no moisture. How many people do we know who started, they heard the gospel. They believed they were on fire even as we have used the term. But something happened. They walked down the aisle, they wept, they rejoiced. And yet a month later you can't find them. They've wilted. How can this be so from one to the other in such a short period of time? 
The answer is they were looking for something else than the seed of the gospel. For an easy grace, an intellectual assent perhaps. My life will be better if I give my heart to Christ. My wife will start looking better. My money will start being uh, more and more. My bank account will grow. I'll get that position that I wanted. My life will be a mountaintop. And so they gave their life, not to Christ. They gave it to the mountaintop. Much of what I teach is interpreted by people, not as the gospel, but simple moralistic teaching. In fact, most of you, as I'm speaking right now, if you're not a Christian, are wearing a pair of sunglasses. And as I talk to you about the grace that is available in Jesus Christ, you are hearing, if I turn my life around and start to do the right things, Jesus will give me a new start. And I can grow into being the person that God has called you to be, me to be. It's not true. There's no root to that. The seed never opens. And in the time of testing, since they have no root, they fall away. What is it that makes them fall away? We see here trouble and persecution. Because of this world... You know, there's trouble in the world, isn't there? Jesus said, I tell you these things so that in me you will, not, you will have life. In this world there will be trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. When you become a Christian and you walk out into the world, you are constantly assailed by messages, by the machine that speaks to you and says, whoever you believe in, it's a lie. Buy into my message of power, and strength and beauty if you try to walk the Christian faith in your halls of your middle school or your high school you come up against competing world views because the world is incompatible with the gospel and so you experience trouble and then you begin to experience persecution see the devil is very clever Oh shoot, these ones got through to the soil. So I'm going to turn up the heat because there is no moisture. The persecution of being a Christian. Have you experienced it? The heat at work when you're being tempted to jump into that conversation? When you try to maybe even share your faith in such a small way and you feel the pushback? The joke, maybe, of the good guy or girl? persecution comes and they quickly fall away Billy Graham believes that only 25% of those who come forward at his events actually become Christians but unfortunately in recent years studies have shown that only 6% of those who come forward in an evangelistic crusade become believers now granted Billy Graham has preached to over 200 million people and 6% of 200 million is still 12 million. That's significant. But you know, sometimes we say we should give up this whole thing of preaching, you know? No one's really listening to this stuff anyways. But the point of this passage is you're exactly right. If you are being effective, most people aren't going to listen. It's only those where the seed drops. The one out of the four. The two out of the ten, I don't know. 
In fact, in some ways, my job is to make it as hard as possible for you to believe the gospel. We don't do altar calls. I send you home to process and think about what it means to follow Christ. Because He doesn't just want your assent. He wants your life. Every bit of you. I remember uh, a kid in uh, my Young Life club when I was in Charlottesville. He came to faith. It turns out he was a good golfer, a very good one. And he had made the National Junior something-something tournament. I don't know what it was, but it was a big deal. Well, Saranac, which is a Young Life camp, was the week before this tournament. And so he had a choice. Do I go to Saranac and hear the gospel, or do I stay home and practice, which I should be doing? Well, he said, I feel like God is calling me to go to Saranac. And so he came. He had a great time. He heard the message. His faith was strengthened, I thought. And then he went to the national tournament, and he bombed. He bombed big time. He didn't make the cut. And he withered quickly away. Because he had signed up for the mountaintop, not the gospel. You need to take time and ask, how deep is this seed in the soil? Have I experienced trouble? Persecution? Is the anchor still holding? It doesn't matter when or how I came to Christ. The only thing that matters is right now. Who do I follow and what do I believe? This brings me to the third part of the soil, the third soil. Some fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up with it and they choked it. And Jesus interprets, as for what fell along the thorns, there are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. Mark and the other Gospels say it's the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things. I don't know if you've ever planted a garden, but let me tell you what, when the weeds start to come up, they start to come up like wildfire. You can't stop them. They're big, they're menacing, they're ugly. And they overtake the garden quickly because they grow faster. The worries of this life, we have many of them, don't we? The mortgage, the air conditioner, my bad relationship with my parents, the deceitfulness of wealth, when the commercial comes on for the Acura, the newest one. Wow, I'd really like to have that. In fact, if I had it, life would be great. Or the latest fashions in Paris, they tempt me often. The desire for other things as my mind gets pulled in a different direction. Anxiety and wanting and things of this are part of this life. But Jesus says, do not be anxious about the things of this world. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you because your heavenly father knows what you need. But the siren song of the cares and riches and pleasures and worries of this life pull along us. So Jesus says, follow me. But you say, I've got a new business and I need to spend time with it. Please excuse me. Follow me, Jesus says to the banquet. I just got married. 
I need to focus really on building my relationship. I don't have time to consider what you're asking me to. Follow me. There's a hundred excuses that we can give. But the reality is as this as we turn our minds and our hearts to other things, it chokes out the gospel. And the one metric of success that we see is fruitfulness. And we see the scripture says that they're unfruitful. They've traded life for death. They've traded the pleasures of this world for the pleasures of Christ. And they reap what they sow. This brings me to my final so, uh, soil. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a crop 30, 50, 100 fold. And Jesus translates, as for those, and excuse me, as for that in the good soil, there are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. This fourth soil is notably different from the others. He understands and bears fruit. He doesn't ask the seed to conform to the soil. He conforms the soil to the seed. You know, it never says that there aren't any stones or any thorns in this good soil. Rather, the good soil simply prevails through patience. It does not allow the obstructions to stop its intention. The seed was made for the soil, and the soil was made for the seed. And so, as the psalmist says, blessed is the one who walks not in the way of the wicked, or stands in the seat of sinners, or sits in the way of mockers, but his way is in the delight of the Lord. And on this law he meditates day and night, and he is like a plant, a tree, by streams of waters, yielding its fruit season after season. Blessed are those who hunger, Jesus said, for they will be filled. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will inherit the kingdom of God. The only difference with the soil is it was hungry for the seed, and it was content with nothing less. It is the one at the end of the day that the evil one could do nothing with. For the soil received the seed deep into its heart and it brought forth a harvest. He who has ears, let him hear. Four soils, one field. Four people, one church. Examine your hearts. What is the deepest desire of your heart? You know, when I married Lee Ellen, I didn't know everything about her. But I did know one thing. I knew she was the right one. And so I said yes. And how do I know that she's the right one for me? How is our marriage still flourishing? Because I said yes. And we have had our challenges and our trials and things that I never thought would happen. But because... I joined myself to her and she joined herself to me. We've experienced life even in the midst of death. Christ has come for you to sow his seed, the gospel of life itself in your heart. 
And so say yes. Embrace him. And as the storms rage and the seas rise, you will not fall because your foundation is on the true rock, the seed who gives us life. The seed is meant for the soil and the gospel is meant for you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you came to bring us life. And this gospel is brought to us today by your word, which is living, which strikes our hearts. Let it not harden them, Lord, but let it soften the soil so that the seed goes deeper and deeper and produces a harvest of righteousness and love and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. And use us to be seeds in other people's lives as we bring forth the word of life and your gospel continues to spread. All of this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen.